Faith Matters Podcast. I'm your host, John Morgan. This is the uh, podcast of Multi-Faith Matters. I'm the host, John Moorhead, and uh, we're thankful that you're either listening or watching today. This is uh, one of many resources that we put together, and you can find not only other podcasts in both video and audio formats, but you can find uh, suggested books, you can find links to articles, and uh, all kinds of other things there. The the website can be found at multifaithmatters.org, and we encourage you to check it out. And if you find this helpful, uh, if you would give the podcast a rating and maybe even consider supporting this work. And what we're trying to do is help evangelicals and other Christians not only love God, but love their multi-faith neighbors in an increasingly pluralistic America and world. And uh, I'm privileged today to have uh, two guests that are going to be uh, talking about their book. Uh, for those of you who are watching on the video, Sacred Dissonance, the subtitle is The Blessing of Difference in Jewish-Christian Dialogue. And my guests are Anthony Ladon and uh, Larry. I know I asked uh, I asked Anthony before, but I know I'm going to butcher your last name. Larry Barrent. Did I get it right? Very close. I just 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 put the emphasis on the first syllable, and we, you got it right. <laughs> okay. Larry, well, now that I've got now that I got that out of the way, for now on you'll be Anthony and Larry. So I won't have to worry about stumbling over that. <laughs> But let me uh, tell folks who uh, tell the folks who you are here. Uh, Anthony is the executive editor of the Journal for the Study of the Historical Jesus, the author of several books and articles, and he also teaches uh, New Testament at United Theological Seminary. And Larry is an attorney and a specialist in interreligious dialogue with a specific emphasis on Jewish-Christian relations, and he blogs at Jewish christianintersections.com, and you will find uh, contact information in the program notes for those who want to follow up and see what these gentlemen are doing. Gentlemen, welcome to the program, and thank you for making time today. Glad thank to be you. Here. Uh, I really enjoyed reading Sacred Dissonance. Uh, I wrote uh, a review for uh, Cultural Encounters Journal that uh, folks might want to take a look at to kind of get my two cents on it, but before we unpack the book and start talking about Jewish-Christian dialogue and relationships. Uh, I'd like to find out a little bit how, about how you folks ended up where you are in terms of your, your present faith journey and commitments. Anthony, why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I uh, grew up in a fairly evangelical uh, household and uh, got interested in biblical studies because my because my sacred text was uh, offered at at many universities and i thought i'd like to learn more about it from professionals and the more i started learning about my own sacred text i started learning that um there were several ancient jewish texts that were were fascinating to me uh and it turned out that a lot of the scholars that um, that I was learning from, uh, both both by lecture and uh, the scholars who I was reading about, and these ancient authors who who I was reading their their texts, they were Jewish, and so Judaism became 
uh, an interesting, academically interesting to me, uh, first and foremost. Um, and that to me, so it was, it was very, it was a very abstract thing before I actually intentionally, you know, started up a conversation with someone who identified as Jewish and who wanted to talk about Jews and Christians. Um, I'm sure I had several conversations with Jewish neighbors before that, but not, not in that intentional way. Um, and of course, you know, I think, G uh, Larry and I met through this uh, blog I used to do that was centered on historical Jesus research and uh, kind of struck up a relationship online for, we, we online dated for a while, Larry and I. And, uh, and then we, uh, you know, we, we got to know each other and decided it wouldn't be such a bad idea to write a book together. So I don't know if any of that needs to be fleshed out, but uh, that's the gist of it anyway. Sounds great. Larry, what's your story? Well, I grew up in a family that I strongly identified as Jewish, but our actual Jewish religious practice was pretty light. And that was the pattern for much of my life until I, I, I met the, uh, the, the person who became my wife. Um, she was not Christian. She was not Jewish when we were married. She was a lapsed Protestant. Um, and as she grew interested in Judaism, um, she began to insist that I not merely talk the talk, but walk the walk. Um, and our really our Jewish practice grew together. Um, so, in, you know, in a sense, I, I came to a, um, I guess, a second life of Judaism through this Jewish Christian encounter of my marriage. Uh, but what particularly drew me as a Jew to be interested in Christianity um, was activity in the Jewish community around the release of Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. Um, and I found in learning about the movie that I really should have had an independent interest in learning about Christianity. I mean, first to try to learn how to navigate the, you know, our, our cultural landscape but then simply because the topic was intrinsically fascinating to me. And I came to Jewish Christian dialogue really looking for people to talk to about this, um, this, this new interest of mine, who not surprisingly, 99% of the people who like to talk about Christianity are Christians. Um, and I found to participate in the conversation, I had to bring something Jewish to it. Um, but it, it, it's obviously grown since then, but that's how it got started. Yeah. Uh, Anthony mentioned a little bit about how the book came about, but you're having these conversations. So why put it in book form? I would think it's a little bit like some of the, uh, um, the, the, the sessions that you have in college late at night uh, and you wake up in the morning and say, gee, that was a fascinating conversation. And you end up maybe taping one. And you listen to it the next morning. I said, well, "I wasn't. <laughs> there wasn't anything to that at all. Uh, that was just silliness." Um, you know, Anthony and I had a number of conversations, and I think—I mean, I, I think it was, you know, "What would this look like in book form?" Um, and you know, we, we we tried it out. They said, "You know, this actually is pretty interesting." Um, we at least at least thought it was interesting. I mean, so, but I think. As a second part of this, and, and Anthony, I'll let, I'll let you amplify this, is that 
we wanted to go beyond what we saw in, in typical Jewish Christian dialogue, which was kind of what we, we call sort of kumbaya dialogue, where the main goal was to come out of it feeling good. Mm. Um, and we really enjoyed the conversations that we had that got uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe not while the discomfort was there, but afterwards when we had a chance to think about it and where we Yeah, were. I think that's right. I feel like some of the some of the more interesting conversations we we've had were were conversations where I really didn't quite understand where Larry was coming from and what, what you know what was behind it. What, what's behind the you know how how could someone who is so intelligent be so wrong on so many things <laughs> so often so loud and wrong at the same time and i thought well certainly there's something wrong with larry because there can't be anything wrong with me and then <laughs> and then of course i would think about it and i think no no that can't be can't be right there, there must be a good reason why larry and i disagree on this and it, it was a lot of those follow-up apology conversations that we had that, that where we kind of really realized, oh, this is, this is interesting. This is, this is when, when we are disagreeing, it, it reveals something about um, not just ourselves, but sort of our, our, our backgrounds and presuppositions and things like that. Um, and of course I was always a perfect angel in all of these conversations. <laughs> true it's true uh, i think the other advantage of you know of you know of recording and transcribing your conversations is that you can find out that from you know conversation one to conversation two it's possible both of us have switched positions um, that's true. oh that's true yeah and that which 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 happens and we have with it i don't think we'd have any consciousness of the fact that we did that if we hadn't documented the earlier conversation <laughs> yeah that's i true I think I think that point that you bring out is important. Um, what I tend to practice, we call it multi-faith engagement or religious diplomacy as distinct from interfaith, because, in, and this is a generalization, and of course there are exceptions, but in my observation, many times interfaith tends to focus on commonality and to try and avoid difference. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly we don't want to focus so much on difference that we end up increasing animosity, but at the same time, I think it's important to talk about difference because many times our differences are more important than commonalities, perhaps. And one of the things I appreciate about what you said in the book that you've uh, reiterated here is that you you value civility, but at the same time, you want to talk about difference. And uh, you, you found those very sometimes very difficult conversations uh, helpful to the conversation. Mm. Would you agree with those observations? I don't think I've ever put it like this. So Larry, you correct me if I if I've misspoken, I think. I feel like civility is good as a posture, but not as an outcome. Um, what do you think about that, Larry? I think I don't want to diminish the achievement you know, that of the first time Jews and Christians sat down together and achieved a civil result. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, we uh, we've adopted a pretty expansive definition of what is dialogue. Um, you know, so really anytime that there's a, you know, a Jewish Christian encounter involving exchange of words, we would call that dialogue, even if it's, you know, one, one side is being forced to listen to the words of the other, or there's a, 
there's a threat of violence, um, you know, behind the conversation. So the fact that we got to the point where we could sit down and it could be enjoyable and we'd walk out, you know, feeling good. That's again, let's, let's not sneeze at that. Um, it's, it's just, I, I, I think Auntie and I felt that more was possible standing on the earlier achievements. Mm. Uh, certainly what I enjoyed most about my conversations with Anthony was, you know, when they were provocative, you know, when I walked away, you know, with an idea um, that I never had before, um, as uncomfortable it might be. And I, I also found that one of, one of the reasons that I enjoyed Anthony as a, and still do as a conversation partner is that uh, he's fun to challenge. Um, he, you know, he, he, he squirms, he makes interesting noises. I do. <laughs> um, you know, and it's not, not everybody wants that experience. Um, it's not everybody's idea of what is spiritual or sacred or why one chooses to have a faith tradition as part of mm -hmm. one's life. Mm -hmm. But I like being challenged. Um, Anthony will at least endure it in a way I find entertaining. Um, so there we go. Yeah, yeah that's well, not I, a bad thing to, to build on, I think, John, because I think that like are you the kind of person that likes hard wrestling with hard questions or or will those are those the, or do you prefer sort of neat answers um and if if you like neat answers then maybe jewish christian dialogue isn't the isn't your cup of tea um and i think that that's what the book is is sort of trying to do that says look how complicated this is and isn't it wonderful <laughs> Um, and I think I think too much, uh, too much. I, I mean, I grew up uh, in the evangelical world, um, and I know that uh, a lot of that experience was about sort of arriving at, you know, a, a, an understandable doctrine at the end of it. Right. But that's not what Jewish Christian dialogue will provide. Right. And um, so, so I think that the the question is: Are you the sort of person that likes to? uh squirm a little bit and and really sort of you know wring your hands over some really difficult and long-standing troubling stories puzzles relationships if that's your thing if, if that's the thing that that energizes you um then there's so many interesting topics in jewish christian relations that that are worth exploring uh that, that's my sense of it well, my hope is that we can get more Christians and Jews and others to the point where even if it's not their you know, so-called cup of tea, that they realize that if we are going to address the challenges that we face, then we have to be willing to, to go to those difficult places. And it's like uh, any relationship and conversation uh, that, that has any depth to it, there's going to be a difference that has to be navigated. Otherwise, you're just having a conversation with yourself and, uh, you know, basically discovering your and confirming your own assumptions along the way. I will say that I, I found your book uh, challenging myself and some of that will, will come out as we go through the conversation. Um, in fact, in this next area here, I'd like to probe. Um, one thing I found interesting 
that Larry said is, uh, I'll quote from page 10 of the book, I've never lost the sense that there's a danger in it in terms of this Jewish-Christian dialogue. That may sound strange to a lot of Christians. Can you flesh that out? Why would a, a person like yourself find this to be a dangerous proposition? Well, again, one of the, one of the interesting experiences in writing a book is that it could be that a week or two weeks after you write something, your feeling about it has changed a little bit. But one way to answer your question is to simply look at the Jewish-Christian encounter historically. Um, and Jews have long memories. Uh, memory is definitely a big part of the religious experience of being Jewish. Um, so I'm, I'm very much aware that when I take on this highfalutin term, Jewish-Christian dialogue, um, you know, of, you know, of the famous examples of, of, of Jews who have stood in dialogue with Christians and what, how that encounter ended up, it was often ended up badly for the Jew in the dialogue. Um, and we outlined some of those in the book. Um, so there is that sense of what came before and, you know, honest, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in no danger. Um, speaking to the, you know, the, the, the Christians in which I'm in conversation, but that, but that memory persists. Um, so again, that's part of it. Part of it is a, this is really um, an asymmetry in the way Jews and Christians approach each other. You really can't be Christian in any kind of serious sense without um, uh, a considerable grounding in, you know, in, in, in Judaism, or at least a Christian view of Judaism. Um, you spend as much time in the Old Testament as we do. Um, you know, Antony's Hebrew is better than mine. Um, that's necessary to be a Christian scholar. Um, the mirror image is not the case. One can lead a thoroughly observant, rich, Jewish life with almost no recognition or understanding of Christianity. So it is strange to us. Um, and I probably don't need to tell you, but you know, an immersion in American culture gives one an exposure to a lot of things that are ostensibly Christian, but not a really good look into the heart of Christianity. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with Larry. I think that maybe this is one of those times that we'll, we might we might swap positions by the end of this uh, <laughs> but but let me let me push back a little bit on that i think that uh american jews especially have a great exposure to christianity just because i don't know they, they watch the godfather or they you know they, something like they, 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 it's in the ether it's 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 out there it's on the billboards it's it's in uh you know, it's, it's Christmas, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I think that there's a great exposure to Christianity, but sort of a more secularized version of Christianity. Um, and so where, whereas, uh, you know, Christians will encounter Judaism on an academic level. I think in general, American Jews, are not all that interested in Christianity on an academic level, but their their neighbor is probably Christian. 
I don't know. What do you think about that, Larry? It's an interesting thing. I mean, yeah, you mentioned The Godfather. Uh, um, my first serious read of the New Testament was in my 40s. Mm -hmm. uh, right, right, right. And, Where I grew up with, you know, Noah's Ark, you know, that, that sort of thing. Right. No. And so after reading the New Testament for the first time and going, see my first Shakespeare play, you know, after reading the New Testament, for, oh, that's where that comes from. For sure. <laughs> um, so we were, we were exposed to, um, you know, a lot of Christianity in the culture without being able to identify it. Ah. Um, or, 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 or to place it in a, in a, in a Christian context. Um, yeah, so I'd seen, you know, bits and pieces of a, of a, of a lot of Jesus movies. Um, you know, and growing up in, in the 60s, Jesus, you know, tended to be this very, you know, gentle, long-suffering, extremely patient, if slightly exasperated, you know, person, you know, whose, whose strongest emotional reaction might be a face palm. Um, right. <laughs> so the first time I read the New Testament, I said, whoa, this, Jesus is much more interesting than that. Uh, Jesus, is, Jesus gets, you know, I, I, I don't know whether this is theologically appropriate to say this, but I, Jesus seemed angry a lot of the time. Um, I'll, you know, particularly in Mark, which is, Anthony knows, is my favorite gospel. Um Jesus is very, very recognizably human and a much more three-dimensional figure than, than, than I've had an awareness of. Um, so without, you know, with, 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 you know, experiencing all of the ramifications and echoes of Christianity in, in American culture without any grounding in Christianity is... I, I think from 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 your you know, from you, both of your experiences, it's a very strange idea. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, again, that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm, I'm glad I finally picked up that book. Um, said, oh, okay, now I understand a little bit better. I'm, I'm never really going to get it. Um, mm -hmm. and picking it up for the first time at forty, it's just not. It's not the same thing as growing up with it as a child. Hmm, hmm, interesting. Well, if uh, if uh, Jews encounter Christianity in some form in the air and the culture, uh, what about the other side of the coin? Uh, both of you weigh in. What do you think of Christian awareness and perceptions of Judaism? Uh, mm -hmm. Is that a cardboard cutout? Is it idealized? Uh, give me some thoughts on that. Well, it's a little bit like, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I never said this. I've never said this uh, out loud. And so Larry probably has never heard me say this before. Um, but he probably knows I'm thinking it. Um, that Like, it's, it's like growing up in Northern California where I grew up and having some awareness of New York City, although having never been there. It's like it's it's impossible not to see New York City in movies or see it on the, you know, in sports broadcasts or whatever. Um, and it's something a little bit. It's like, yeah, I, I recognize that as American, but it's it's a different kind of America. It's kind of exotic. It's a little bit 
I don't quite understand why uh, anyone will yell I'm walking here. Isn't that obvious? So I don't really, I don't really understand New York City, um, but it kind of it's kind of fascinating. And um, so I'm I'm kind of poking at Larry here because he's he grew up in New York, um, but you know there's something about that that um, that Christians Christians know a lot. I think they know a lot about uh, Jews and Judaism because you know we talk about them every Sunday. You know we talk about the Israelites or the temple or the priests or the Pharisees or whatever. That's what we talk about on Sundays. Um, unfortunately, it's, it doesn't, these, the, the Jews we're reading about don't always end up in the best light. Um, and so the, in a lot, a lot of times uh, that portrait isn't always a positive portrait. And a lot of times it's a negative portrait of, of Jews and Judaism. And, uh, and if for my, from my experience, um, my Jewish neighbors didn't necessarily want to talk about Judaism. You know, they would, they would be much more inclined to talk about Buddhism or, you know, something else than, than they would want to talk about Judaism. And uh, so I might not even, I might've had Jewish neighbors. I didn't even know were Jewish. Um, so that's it, just, that that's, it, it's one of those weird, uh, weird cultural as well as ethnic, as well as, religious um borders that's it's really difficult to know when you've crossed the border and you know now i'm in the jewish world there's just it's it's impossible to know that um anyway i don't know i i've i've rambled a bit on that what what do you what do you think we talk about this a bit in the book and i guess i would say that christians know enough about judaism to understand their Christianity, which means that, first of all, that they're, 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 they're not getting the information firsthand. Um, and they're getting the information that's necessary to explain why, you know, why Jesus, why they are Christians, what it means to be Christian. Um, so we become something of the other that helps to explain the self. That's not going to be a very good way to understand this. It's also a little bit ancient. There have been a few important developments in in, in Christianity since um, you know one you know one A.D. Uh, or, or whatever you you you'd like you'd like to date this. And um, so I I will often walk into Jewish, Jewish Christian dialogue for the first time, and I feel like I'm both disabusing notions that people might have had but disappointing them mm. um i'm i'm not a bible character I'm, I'm very far from a bible character yeah um, uh, and, and again this is something anthony brings out in you know in in in, in some of his work um, that in many ways there's a positive stereotype of jews that christians carry you know, we're the people of the book, you know, and we're the, you know, we're the, we're the, you know, the original recipient of, of God's promise, and we have stuck with it throughout adversity, and now, look, there's a state of, modern state of Israel, um, and, you know, it, it, isn't that a sort of a, aren't, aren't we a wonderful testimony mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to, to, to God and everything that's sacred, and, 
we somehow in real life we don't seem to function. <laughs> um, we, we we're not able to live up to that. Um, I, I don't I don't think anybody could or should. Um, so, in, you know, in, in in some ways, that positive stereotype hurts us. Yeah, there's a mythology there. It's like, uh, you know, depending on what what version of Christianity we're talking about, it's like Larry's actually related to Abraham, like literally, actually related to Abraham. That's some pretty good real estate, and 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 a little bit envious, like, oh my gosh, like, what would it be like? you know, to, to trace my heritage, you know, whatever. I, I don't know that there, there's some kind of mythology around Jews and Judaism where it's really difficult to see, uh, uh, you know, the real basic humanity of our Jewish neighbors, either they're, they're, they're closer to God because they're closer to Abraham or, um, you know, how dare they re- reject Jesus or what, you know, who, you know, who are they to still be waiting for the Messiah? Don't they know? You know that kind of thing. So it's it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to sort of just emphasize uh, sort of our common humanity uh, above above everything else. And yet, I feel like my Jewish friends really don't like either exaggeration. Um, they don't like they don't like being demonized. They don't like being lionized. Uh, so, uh, in fact, maybe and maybe Larry can speak to this. Uh, uh, you know, some of my Jewish friends would would prefer it if you know we if I didn't think about them at all. Like just just forget I'm here, please. Just for a hundred years, give me a break. That kind of thing. Yeah, I heard a rabbi say once that heaven on earth would be observant Jews and lax Christians. Um, and <laughs> I think he meant that as a joke. I mean, I'm actually positive he meant that as a joke. But um, yes, it's we often seem to do better when we're not noticed as much. Right. Yeah. 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 And also, Anthony, as far as as far as your DNA goes, um, Abraham maybe not, but Tiberius must be in there. Yeah, um, maybe Tiberius. That's that's interesting. Yeah. You have to get your DNA tested and find out. Yeah. Just don't. Just don't connect me with Pilate. I don't want that one. <laughs> Uh, but we could fine. You 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 could disown Pilate. Uh, I'll disown Caiaphas. Uh, it will be both fine. All right. <laughs> well, uh, to turn it a little darker here, one subject that you tackle in the book, which you have to in Jewish Christian uh, dialogue, it has to do with uh, the Holocaust or the Shoah. And uh, there's a, a statement in there by Anthony where he talks about memory of these horrific crimes are the most important component of modern Jewish identity, perhaps the most important. Can you talk to uh, how that can, again, you talked about Jews having a longer historical memory. I think Americans have a very short historical memory. Um, can you talk about how that important that continues to be in defining identity, how it, it shadows and, and shapes the ongoing Christian uh, Jewish dialogue and, mm. and Give some feedback on that. Well, I'll just respond to the quote. I mean, and I think maybe I'd like to hear more from Larry on this, but, um, you know, this is one of those times where dialogue is risky. You know, my, my encounter with Jews and Judaism is my own encounter. And it, and, and it could be that um, some of my Jewish friends, and maybe if you've got Jewish listeners, would not like that association you know the co- jewish collective identity is tied 
to this horrible moment you know the 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 worst moment in the in the 20th century um why why not create a more positive collective identity um and yet i I think that there is something true about the importance of show a memory um that 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 if memory shapes identity there there is something about learning a lesson uh not not just politically or a family history kind of lesson from the Shoah, but to also learn ethical lessons like how do we how do we how do we use what we know about what happens uh uh to disenfranchised people groups and how do we apply that to our present uh situation these are all useful tools of memory and um so I, i i do think that at least at least for you know the three or four generations after the holocaust i think it is the the holocaust is going to continue to be an important shaper of jewish identity now i don't know you know it could be that in two or three generations from now there's a whole different jewish posture towards towards that um but anyway i'm I'm curious to hear what larry says about this well it's fundamental to Jewish identity to remember that we were slaves in Egypt. And Andy and I have parsed that statement a a great deal over the years. And for Anthony, it's absolutely fascinating that I refer to this as that we were slaves in Egypt. Right. (laughs) Why, why, why is this a, you know, a, you know, why, why am I a slave in Egypt? Um, But I mean, this is, this is, you know, putting aside the you know whatever the, the theology is there, this is this is something we are commanded to remember. Mm. Uh, and I was not a slave in Egypt, uh, but my my father was born in Berlin in 1927. His birthday is Hitler's birthday, the same day. Hmm. Um, um, he escaped as a refugee in in 1936, and this was very much a part of my personal identity growing up in because my father did never, never talked about it until I was much older. Um, imagining what his life was like. Um, you know, and I, as, as a child, I had Nazi nightmares. They were, they were recurring, they were common. Hmm. This is it's a part of um, the Jewish psyche, at least for Jews of my generation. Um, and I, you know, again, if you, you know, we, 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 Anthony and I talk a lot about politics, and I think it's fascinating to both of us that um, uh, American Jews, you know, you know, even white American Jews, vote so consistently to the left of the political spectrum. Um, you know, even after other ethnic American minorities um, sort of drift to the center and right of center. Mm-hmm. Um, Somehow, this 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 notion that we identify with the underdog, with the you know, um, with 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 people who are not born to to the purple. Um, I just I heard the expression "born with a plastic spoon in one's mouth." Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm a very privileged character. I mean, I, I you know, I'm. I, don't have much to complain about in my own life, but it, the identity of thinking of ourselves in terms of people who are on the other side, 
of power and privilege is pretty central to what I think about being Jewish. Hmm. How well do you think uh, we do in properly memorializing and, and keeping the significance of the Holocaust uh, in front of us? We got this rise of anti-Semitism over the last few years. Uh, we, we said after the Holocaust, never again, and yet we continue historically to have various genocides. Uh, what, what aren't we getting here? <sighs> you know, the Holocaust is probably the, the, the best remembered, best documented, and best memorialized um, you know, genocide in, in human history. Um, this is a, you know, in my lifetime, is a, at least a somewhat recent development because those Holocaust museums and the like did not exist in my childhood. And talking too directly about, about the Holocaust was somehow seen as, you know, as, 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 as impolite or too intimate or whatever. And that changed in my young adulthood. Um, at this point, I, you know, it, you know again, it's, it's not that there aren't Holocaust deniers. It's not that there aren't, um, you know, kids in some schools, you know, who have either never heard of the Holocaust or don't really know what it is, but there, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of suffering and a lot of killing and a lot of dying. Um, I would like the Holocaust taught in a way that might help put an end to all of that. Um, I would like to see us pay more attention to um, less well-publicized, less well-documented genocides. Mm -hmm. Anthony, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's 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 also one of these things where. Uh, well, I, I think I should make this point. I think that uh, I could watch a, a thousand documentaries on the Holocaust, and it's still not going to be for me what it is for Larry. For Larry, it's family history, um, and uh, and so for I think a lot of Christians, especially Christians who um are in america and who associate you know america with the good guys and the nazis are the bad guys um there, there's a tendency to to feel a little bit like like uh well this is you know the the, the good guys won at the end of this and, and and isn't it great the allies won and we did it we did our best to make sure that you know the holocaust didn't didn't happen and it, we wouldn't have let it happen on our watch um I mean, I think that it, it's helpful to know more about the context, the religious context uh, in, in, in Europe and, and to know the, the sort of the Christian, the Christian motivated anti-Semitism that led up to the event. These are things that, you know, we, we may know, we Christians may know a lot about the Holocaust academically, but for some reason, we always associate ourselves with the good guys. And and for whatever reason, we let the, the these Christian Nazis off the hook because they're not they're not us. They're the enemy. So I think that even though we are exposed quite a bit to the Holocaust, um, I think it there's something more that's gained uh, when we remember it in conversation with our Jewish neighbors. And I think that that's and that, that could just be a, I mean, that. 
I mean, it could be you could get something you could get something from just uh, looking at the going to Yad Vashem in Israel, going to a Holocaust museum, something like that, where you would you would learn about the back the, the background to these things. Um, but if if the only people that you allow teach you about the Holocaust um, are academics and, um, you know, other 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 people who are kind of World War Two buffs and you never talk to someone who actually experienced uh, the Holocaust memory as family history, there's a whole side that that's missing in the conversation. So um, I, I don't know. What do you think, Larry? Well, I just want, I wanted to jump in and make sure, I mean, John, I'm sure you appreciate this, but I'm just one Jew here giving one Jew's opinion. I think if you ask the same question uh, about the Holocaust to other Jews, you're going to get very different answers. Mm -hmm. Um I, that's that, that's an important important thing to to, to jump in here. Um, Anthony is quite conscious sometimes of asking me the question. Well, what do what do Jews think about this, or what do you think Jews think about this? To, to try to get an answer out of me that's probably different than you know, one that's personal and you know, uh, you know, and, and and might not be reflective. There's really <laughs> no more. Uh, fraught job for for a Jew in dialogue that they try to represent the entire people, um, but I, I, I think that's important to point out here, um, just just to make certain that nobody walks away and says, "Well, you know, gee, all Jews think X." Yeah, based on hearing me, I mean. Yeah. Right. 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 And, and again, I, I will try to represent, um, you know, you know, my people as best as I can. But you have to phrase to the phrase the question that way, and it's, you know, it's it's a. Not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily lead to our best dialogue, but again, sometimes Anthony wants to know, and I, I, I do yeah, my. Yeah, I think that's. I do. You know, it is. It, it is interesting to know um, generalities. It's also true for Christians. I mean, uh, you know, I could say something like this. I could say, well, you know, Christians. You know, when they take Holy Communion, they they are actually eating the blood and the body of Jesus. Like literally, that's that's what's happening. When they when they take communion, and that's probably true for billions of Christians, <laughs> but it it does not necessarily tell you much about let's say Protestant Christianity or you know other kinds of Christianity. Um, same thing, you know, same thing about encountering the Holy Ghost or you know you could you could name a host of things um, about Christians where it'd be better to say you know a lot of Christians believe X Y or Z or. You know, some Christians believe X, Y, and Z. It's just some some little qualification sometimes can can really be helpful. Um, so, and in dialogue, we you've often needed to point out differences between in, in America between white Christianity and black Christianity or Christianity of color, and also the difference between American Christianity and Christianity you know in in the third world, mm, yeah, Africa, South America. Um, and that's that. That's usually valuable to me. I mean, I mean, I'm 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 not surprised by the diversity of 14 million Jews worldwide, but the somehow the fact that two 2.7 billion Christians would be diverse, I constantly need that reminder. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great reminder. And of course, I don't speak for all evangelicals. Although evangelicalism in America will be far better if they agreed with me, at least in multi-faith issues. But anyway, that's that's another. 
another thing. Um, as our, our time begins to run, I have one final question for you. And this is an area here that I faced a challenge. And I think evangelicals will face a challenge in grappling with your book. Um, evangelicalism, uh, I think many Christians, not just evangelicals, sharing their faith and wanting to see others embrace it is a big deal. It's an important part of their identity. They could look at the, the Great uh, Commission to go and to make disciples. And they feel they have a, a serious responsibility to do that. And one of the things that makes multi-faith engagement or religious diplomacy different than interfaith, in interfaith contexts, proselytism is just, it's off the board. You just don't do that. Uh, however, in the kind of model that I follow, if it's welcomed by your conversation partner and it's appropriate in a given moment, there can be mutual attempts at persuasion. However, in reading your book, um, let's see, conversion is off the table is one of the things you guys talked about. And uh, uh, you were quoted where you said, we regard conversion as a loss of Jewishness and ergo conversion efforts appear to us as seeking our destruction as a people. So when I read that, I thought, man, I appreciate that interest in evangelism is important to my faith identity. But if an aspect of my faith identity so threatens someone that I'm involved in dialogue with, then maybe I need to think about uh, holding back on an aspect of what I hold dear. Gentlemen, would you un unpack that for me? Share some thoughts. Go, I'll, you know, I'll go, I'll say a brief word and then I'd like to hear more, more from Larry on this. But I think that there, there is something about when Larry enters the room with me to intentionally engage with a Christian, sit down at the table, Jewish Christian dialogue, there's like centuries of history warning him about the experience, Ex literally centuries of of historical memory collective memory that that would say yeah but <laughs> think about how many times and how many different ways this, this could go bad uh and so for larry larry, larry senses a sense of danger so, and and for a lot of jews maybe not you know in larry's social context but for a lot of jews throughout the history history of jewish christian relations it was literal danger. It wasn't just like, oh no, I'm I'm worried that they may say something that that might make me mad or make me feel uncomfortable. There was literal danger involved in these encounters. Those things are not easily forgotten. And so, if if the ideal dialogue involves some kind of vulnerability, my Jewish dialogue partner is going to feel vulnerable in ways that I can't even imagine. And so then the question is. You know what? What can I? What kind of compromise can I make as a Christian, knowing that history? You know, if that if that history is present to mind, am I willing to compromise anything in this, or am I just going to go in like a bull, and just say, "Well, you know, I, I'm sorry about the history, but uh, I got things to say." Damn it! You know that that that's just not the posture that I would that I feel would feel comfortable. I don't think that that's going to bring about the kind of dialogue that, that I'm looking for. Um, now I could be dead wrong on this, but that, but I, I feel, I feel pretty adamant about it. Uh, I don't know what, uh, where, where am I wrong or right, Larry? There's a tension here. Um, and there are competing goods to be balanced. 
I think in the book, we try to indicate that there is a level of authenticity and vulnerability that one has to bring into good dialogue. One has to be willing to, to open up. One has to be willing to, you know, to, to con, you know, consider and reconsider things that are, that, that one might have felt were, were fundamental. Um, but I guess I'd phrase the question as to why, why is it that a Christian wants to come and talk to me? Why is it that I want to go and speak to a Christian? I would hope that a Christian would bring to me their authentic selves in, 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 in all fullness. Um, that if there's a piece of Christian identity or Christian belief um, that has to be left at the door to come in, then I'm not going to be getting you know, all that I want. On the other hand, if the Christian comes to the table in a hope to convert me, if I'm basically being seen as not a, you know, an interesting or desirable dialogue partner on my own, but interesting before the, my potential to become something different. Um, and that's already known in advance without even knowing me. Um, then I'm not being approached in my full self. And there's just, there's, there's a tension here we can't avoid. Mm. Um, I, there, there are ways to, to, to bridge the gap, I think. I think that, I mean, again, I've, I've been um, with, you know, with Christians who have said, look, I, um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're going to convert, that's going to be the working of the Holy Spirit. I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm not the Holy Spirit. Um, but what I can do is witness for you, um, you know, Christian life and, you know, and, and, and Christian belief and thought and fellowship and love. Uh, well, there's very little in that that I would find objectionable. I mean, there's nothing in that I could find objectionable. I like Christians who are good Christians. Um, if, but if on the other hand, there you know, I, I become kind of this object, you know, that before I enter the room, people already know how they want the dialogue to go. That's, I mean, it, it will be interesting to me because the whole study of American Christianity and American Christian thinking is interesting to me. Mm. But when that dialogue is going on, you know, I. At this point, it's less that I feel threatened by it and more that I feel like I'm leading somebody on. Because, mm. quite frankly, I'm not going to convert to Christianity. Um, and if somebody is talking to me with that, that's the promise. But I'm interesting to them, you know, for, what it, for, for something that's never going to happen, and I feel like I'm leading them on. And... I can't be my authentic self then. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a struggle here, and there there isn't there there's there's no easy solution to it. Um, I more than that is is, is 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 kind of hard to say. I have had interesting conversations with Christians who I knew were interested in converting me.
Um, but they're fraud around the edges and that will ultimately that dialogue relationship can't be sustained. Hmm. You know, what's more than this, and this is maybe not necessarily, you know, widespread practice uh, or should be viewed as an admonition for general practice. But if I ever called Larry up and said, hey, Larry, I've decided to convert to Judaism. My guess is that Larry, well, after laughing at me a lot, I think that Larry would would feel like, oh, no, something's been lost here. I, I don't I feel like I feel like that there's something precious that's been lost. Um, and I would feel the same way. I would feel the same way if Larry called me up and said, Anthony, I, 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 I decided I decided to, you know, profess Jesus as Messiah or something like that. I would I would feel something precious has been lost. I, I really do. I don't I don't secretly deep down wish that Larry would come to Jesus. I I think that Larry in many ways is is a has taken a lot of Jesus teachings to heart better than a lot of my Christian friends. And I think that's remarkable. I think that that's wonderful. And, uh, and I value that, but I don't seek Larry's conversion. I, I in fact, I, I think I would lament, I would lament the loss if, if Larry called me up one day and said, uh, you know, I, I had to come to Jesus moment, Anthony. Uh, so uh, anyway, that's, that, that's just a personal feeling about it. Not necessarily a rule for the road or whatever. I had a conversation before, you know, engaging in formal Jewish Christian dialogue with a friend who um, who was evangelical. I haven't seen her in many years, so I, I don't know where she is now. Um, where I actually raised this question. I said, you know, we talk a lot and we talk about religion and you've never once tried to persuade me to think about becoming Christian. And I said, what's up with that? It was almost like I was like, you know, don't I rate? Aren't I worthy of that of that impulse? <laughs> um, don't you think I'd, I'd be a good member? And what she said was, you know, I believe in a God of love. And I think somehow this is all going to work out. She wasn't really afraid for the state of my immortal soul. Um, and she had a faith in, you know, in, in, you know, in, in, in a God where you know, Larry's a decent person. This is going to work out somehow. And I like that thinking, thinking back upon it. It cuts through a lot of the conundrum. Um, let's just kind of trust in the universe, you know. Um, the or to use the language of the apostle paul let's you know let's 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 embrace the mystery you know end of romans 11 this is a mystery and the way that the way that jews and christians uh, all pan out in the, in the great scheme of salvation it is a mystery and paul is is adamant about that and i i agree i mean i'm 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 much more happy with the mystery than i than i am with the the, the neat the, the the neat and tidy doctrine that um, that tells me I have to say the magic words, or else or else you're not in. Sorry, you didn't say the magic words. I just don't. That's just not. 
who I am and I and I don't uh, I, I don't want people to think about me that way. I don't want to and I don't want to think about other people that way. So and in a way that might also resonate with the evangelicals who are, are watching this podcast or listening you know, we have freedoms, freedom in Christ to, to do certain things, including sharing our faith, but sometimes we self-limit those freedoms for the benefit uh, of others, out of care for others. And if the identity of my, uh, you know, Jewish conversation partner or Muslim or whatever feels severely threatened, then I think we're actually doing harm in that process. So I think these are things, it's a difficult area that I think evangelicals really need to reflect on because we put so many eggs in the basket of evangelism that we often end up objectifying others and and uh, we actually end up doing the opposite uh, of good that we intend to do through uh, our, our interest in, in sharing our faith. Um, I think that's really well said. I mean, do no harm. That, that's that to me that that's a sort of should be a watch a watch word for any kind of intercultural encounter, not just, you know, Christians and Jews, but a lot of a lot of uh, different borders that we that we cross um anyway i i i think that's very well said and uh and thank you for having us on this has been uh wonderful well i appreciate it uh, from both of you for taking the time it took us a little while to to get this pulled together but uh we did and, and anthony got a uh, computer with some video so we got to see uh both of your your shining faces there Again, uh, my guests have been talking about their wonderful book. We'll include a, a link uh, in the program notes, Sacred Dissonance, The Blessing of Difference in Jewish-Christian Dialogue. And gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for being guests on the program. It's been great. Thanks for having us. Thanks, John.